You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. And welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am your host, Tim Capper, along with Cliffy D. How are you, sir? Happy <laughs> camp, training camp week leading up to preseason game weekday? <laughs> you could just say happy Tuesday. Uh, yeah, but, you know, it's not Tuesday for everybody when they're listening to this episode. That's true. And, you know, I could say it's Tuesday somewhere in the world, but... <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, but or, yes, uh, or, or or we could, or like uh, like uh, Frosty the Snowman did when he first came alive. Happy birthday! Ooh, there you go. That's, it's uh, neither one of our birthdays, but that's and, and with the, the weather being as chilly as what it has been, a Frosty the Snowman reference is actually kind of uh, relevant right now. Did, did I see it right? I don't know if this is true or not. I don't know if this is fake news or if not. Did it actually snow in Valdar? I didn't see that, but man, I, I, you know what? It was three and a half degrees in Ottawa, uh, according to Twitter this morning. Uh, it was like six degrees this morning in Montreal. Yeah. I, I mean, it was a nice spring in the summer we had, and now we're right back into fall. <laughs> yeah, crap. <laughs> Holy moly. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Okay. And it, what's funny, I bet like a lot of these uh, players that are in training camp right now coming to Canada for the first time, I'm sure their whole lives they grew up thinking, oh, Canada must be you know, winter all the time. I bet they think, you know, it wasn't too far off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it's our first show since camp has actually been has actually been going on. So there's a lot to talk about because I know you spent a little bit, quite a few more days at camp than I have. I spent a grand total, I think, of three, three days at camp when I've been able to. One was a short time when because they were having it when I was at uh, at work. I was able to cup, came able to come up and uh, have a have a have lunch at camp type of thing. Oh, I'm going back to a kid again. Bring my own, bring my own uh, uh, lunch. Uh, you know my bag lunch. Um, <laughs> but what uh, what uh, what what have we noticed? Um, well, first as uh, Al's fans know, but I don't know if, if everybody in the CFL uh, family knows, is that the Alouettes move the preseason um, camp, training camp to Percival Molson for the first time. Um, rather than just have a, a, a one-off practice, which is what they did, I think, in the, well, in the early in the early 2000s, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, but so, so far, what have you seen? From, let's, let's, just starting with that, Cliff, what, what has been in your impression on how camp has been done this year actually on the island of Montreal and at their home stadium? Well, I love it, to be honest with you. And I think it's a great way for the players that have never been with the Alouettes before. A good chance to get to, get to know their, their surroundings a little bit. So that helps. Um, I, again, I can remember going to Sherbrooke and uh, uh, St. jean sur richelieu mm-hmm. to training camps in the past. But the, to actually have the camp in Montreal, I, does, I do think do, does make a big difference as far as getting players acclimated to the city and what to expect on game day and things like that. Uh, one thing I'm, re- I've been really, really disappointed about though, and maybe in a sense I'm not so surprised, is just how few fans have actually been going. Yeah. And I remember back when the camp was being held in Sherbrooke, 
or Lennoxville, people always complain, well, it's so far away. I don't want to drive an hour and a half out of the city just to go watch training camp. Blah, blah, blah. Any number of excuses not to go out there. But people did. Okay. That's the thing, though. But people did. They showed up. They did. And the fact that camp is in Montreal this year, like, actually at the home stadium, not out at the Big O, which is in the east end of the city and uh, quite the, the trek for some people to make. You're actually playing in the actual stadium, which is how most CFL teams do their training camp. Yeah. And even then, attendance has been sparse at best. I mean... Well, it's also been sparse at best. <laughs> that too. I mean, sheesh. Sparse or sparse. Um, tomato, tomato. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, to me, though, it's, it's just disappointing because... I get it. The Alouettes have not been a very good team over the past couple of years. There hasn't been a whole lot to cheer for. There hasn't been a whole lot to be excited about, apparently. But at the same time, the same fans that were bitching and complaining about training camp being so far away, and that's why they can't go, and why can't the camp be in Montreal so we can go? Well, the team does exactly that, and nobody's still going. So what what, what are you supposed to do? I don't it, know. You, you can't win for losing when it comes to this team. It's... I'm not blaming the team itself. I mean, it's unfortunate things have gone the way they have record-wise, and there's so many dark clouds, it seems, surrounding this team, and I wonder if that's the reason why people are really staying away. Uh, it's it's just unfortunate, really, because this is your opportunity to learn about this team. The best way to get to know the players, get to know how the coaches are going to go, everything you want to know about the product on the field is through training camp. Mm-hmm. And it's free to attend. It's not like they're making you pay to watch this. Yeah, uh, It's open to the public. Anybody can just waltz into the stadium and watch these guys at work. I mean, why so, not? And it, Yeah, it, come, it come just, rain or come rain or shine, they're, they've been out there, as you and I can attest to, because we've had all types of weather for the, for the days that both you and I have been there together. Mm-hmm. So. And there have been some positives, and there have been has some been negatives. I will admit to having camp here, but I, I will admit the only thing that I could fathom, Cliff, about why there haven't been as many people show up for the for camp is maybe because, and this is really funny to say, but it's maybe because of the parking situation. The big O, you could park. You know, you could, you could just park in the outskirts, really, or you could, or if you were um, when it was over in Sherbrooke, you had you, there was a place to park. That's the only thing I could really think. Of, of 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 what it would be, but but that really I don't think that's really a a good excuse because I mean aside from myself who is basically at less than a five minute walk from the stadium from where I work, um, it's still very accessible. I think though it's actually uh, that, well, uh, by the way another plus before I get to the negative a plus is I want to give out a shout to to Cam and them actually opening up the mer- uh, the the boutique. And the boutique has been open for hours during, I think it was like four times so far through camp that they had it open. They had it, they showed it was uh, on the uh, on the website, on the Alouette's website that it was going to be there. And they've been able, I, I should know, I've already bought myself a bunch of new merch, but, and it's it's been there. That's one of the few things, you know, because with there's no physical store uh, for the Alouette's in the downtown area, which I kind of understand, you know, the boutique hasn't been, the warehouse hasn't been open. This is the, this was the next best thing, and hmm. I think it, it props to them for deciding to do this because I think um, uh, anybody who wants to go and get stuff they can before game day this week or whether it be you know for the very for the very first home game on July fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, the the thing though that I I think that 
as he said, with not nobody showing up, I think the team may have dropped the ball on this one. And I don't know if it was a combination because of the uh, how late the CBA got signed. Um, they weren't able to promote something. I mean, because you know the league, the team's been able to promote the. I think it was a uh, what was it the other day when we were there? It was the the coaches, um, the youth coaches day. The youth coaches day. Yeah, uh, I think they're going to be having something also coming up for. I, I don't know if it's during preseason or not, but they're going to have something. I think it's for 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 kids. Uh, it's like a family day. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the biggest thing that they didn't have this year, and they didn't promote it in any way, shape, or form. I would know because you were there. Was the scrimmage. Mm-hmm. This is something that the team has promoted and brought to different locations around the, uh, not on the, not necessarily on the island, but around uh, uh, different, lo- you know, different locales in Quebec to promote this team. You know, they did it in Sherbrooke. They did it in where was it? St. Hubert. In St. Hubert. They did it in St. Hubert. So, but there was nothing. We didn't even know it was occurring that they were going to have this practice. Was that the same day that they that they announced that there was going to be two practices that day, but then they cut it short by one? It was the same weekend, actually. Yeah, same week. Okay, yeah. Oh, Saturday and Sunday. So yeah. it, it's they didn't promote it, which I don't understand. No, and another thing that I that really I was not a fan of was the fact that during the week I get why you would have practices early, like eight o'clock in the morning till almost noon, mm-hmm. and that was that was it. And then the, the rest of the day, I assume, is spent going over film or evaluating or players in meetings and things like that. I during the week I get it, but you know what? On the weekend. Have the, I, I think you can work things around and have things a little bit later. I was hoping so too, yeah. even the most – and this is probably why I, I, I saw so few f- fans on the weekend was because who in God's name wants to get up early? Unless you're like me, like crazy, getting up at 8 o'clock – getting up to be at a stadium for 8 o'clock in the morning to watch uh, practice essentially. By the way, I, I want to I wanna, uh, just uh, – clarify with everybody who's listening yeah he's crazy for showing up at 8 30 even i didn't <laughs> I, but again this this was the only option that was given it's to true. me like it's true meanwhile other teams in the cfl are having fan fest and fan days or whatever the heck you want to call it but not at eight o'clock in the morning on a saturday or sunday they're doing them in the afternoon when people are awake and out and about and doing stuff like i'm sorry but even the most diehard fans are, are going to balk at the idea of having to get up so early just to watch practice. And like you yeah, said, the but, scrimmage but, game. But, I, I'm going to, I'm going to actually, I'm going to stop you there for a second. Cause I am actually going to, I see what you're saying though, but Cliff people showed up for that first day of camp over in Sherbrooke and, and look how early people had to get out there. I think it started at what? 10. You still had to get up and get there. I, I, right. I, I don't understand. Again, I, I don't, I didn't mean to, to cut you off, but it's, is it apathy? Is it is it a combination of things? Because not necessarily that we can put everything on the team, but well, and I don't want to necessarily poo poo all over the team because yeah. there's a, a a a laundry list of people that will be more than happy to do so for you online oh, in social media. But at the same time, like just especially too, if you've got the camp here in Montreal, mm-hmm. it makes sense. Like Montrealers are not the get up at the crack of dawn type, you know, like they, they, they kind of, they're laissez-faire. They, you know, they just go thing, go, things go at their own pace and they just do whatever and all that stuff. So like to have like the, like something like the scrimmage game, like you could promote that a little bit and say, Hey, I would have showed up. I would have showed up if that was the case. Come at noon and like have like a whole bunch of activities lined up and just mention the fact that, Hey, this is an actual scrimmage. We got actual CFL refs that are going to be a part of this. We're going to go through all the, all the different uh, motions and whatnot of what it's going to take to actually run a CFL game. Mm-hmm. 
like they've done this in the past and it worked out well. And yes, it was well attended. Now I'm sure a lot has to do with the fact that unfortunately the Alouettes have not been a very good team over the past few years. Shouldn't matter. At it, you're right. It shouldn't matter. But I, I get that's. But again, it, it's a lot easier to get up and go to Sherbrooke. At, as you say, get up at the crack of dawn to go to Sherbrooke for to be there for ten o'clock when the scrimmage game starts. When the team is doing good, but when the team's doing not so good and just not connecting with fans like they used to, and a lot of these other things, a lot of these other factors, and yes, it makes it's understandable as to why this was so poorly attended. Because once again, and I've said I can't I can't tell you how many times over the years, even when things were good in Alouette's Nation. I said, if you start treating these events like you as an organization start treating these events like an afterthought, eventually so will the people that you want attending them. And guess what? They have reaped what they've sown because, as you said, nobody knew this was going on. They did little to promote it. And guess what? There were probably more officials on the field than there were fans in the stands. (laughs) And I'm not saying that to put put anybody down. I'm 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 stating a simple fact. And... Who, who's to blame for that? You can't blame the fans. This is unfortunately something that well, the team think, is going to have to. I think to... it's apathy too, though, Cliff. I think you can, in a way. I think you can blame the fans a little bit. I mean, well, but still, but it's still, I mean, it's again, it's new year, new look. It's a new team, you know. I, I mean, it, for all we know, and and by the way, any of the CFL, any of the Alwitz brass that want to want to to expound a little bit more on this, please, please, we we want to. What was the what caused the delay to not have as much of a of a, a, a of a promotion of a a rah 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 type of thing for for the opening day? I, I still think Cliff, in the back of my head, I think it was a little bit because of the CBA. Because if you, as you notice, camp was supposed to start on uh, for film or whatever was supposed to start on the Saturday. Al started on the Sunday, and then they started the next, and then they had another afternoon morning afternoon one i think on uh on uh on victoria day mm-hmm. so I, as i said please i, I want to be enlightened i don't want to to leave this where if we're saying something wrong please if uh, reach out to us uh anybody in the owls front office will be more than happy to hear what you guys have to say or, and uh uh yeah and, and let, let her let her listeners know so mm-hmm. uh, because again like, like perception is often a reality mm-hmm. so i mean as it stands right now it just looks like Nobody cares. And that's the unfortunate part, because as you said, this is team is de- debuting a new look, a new identity. You got new players there. You're supposed to get people excited about like that. That was the perfect op- one of many opportunities to showcase this. And again, it just almost feels like, well, go if you want, I guess, kind of thing. Like it just <laughs> it felt like nobody really cared or thought to you know put some Put some thought into this, yeah. essentially. And I will admit, and, and getting into the positive stuff, I mean, I know you'll be able to expand a little bit more from what you've seen, because I know you, you and I look at, you and I treat training camp a little bit differently. I, I, I've always said that. I mean, I, I've always said you are, I mean, the way you write on your alternative blog, I, I, I know immediately that you and I treat it a little bit differently. You know, I've, I've told you, I mean, the draft, okay, yeah, so the draft's coming up, but you're, I know you're you're high on it. So that's, that's we're just two different type of, of fans. <laughs> But, um, you know, for me, the positive was being able to see, you know, the guys who we'd met in the years past, they recognize us, they recognize you, they recognize me, we're able to welcome them back, talk to them a little bit. And, and that's, that's the plus about this thing. It, it, it shows with, you know, we're not there every day, but we, we show our faces and they know our faces. Mm-hmm. And again, just the excitement that uh, knowing that a lot of these guys are listening to the podcast, which is a, a trip all by itself. Mm. 
and again, just more opportunities for us to deliver more of these players and get their get their stories out and let you, the fans, know what makes these guys tick. Like that to us is what we look forward to more than anything else. And I'm hoping that the players are just as excited to be a part of this as we are. So again, this, I, I think this year we're going to see a lot more interviews, a lot more opportunities to speak with these guys and just present their story yeah. for you, for you listeners. So again, that's, it all starts at training camp. That's the thing I just keep coming back to is everything starts at training camp. Like that sets the tone as far as I'm concerned for what the rest of the season will bring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, speaking of what, what, what's brings, uh, what's, to come, uh, we had our, our very first preseason game. It was it wasn't televised. It was just on local radio. Actually, what I did not know this, Cliff, it was actually only on in English. They actually mentioned that during the broadcast uh, that it wasn't on in French either. So uh, you know, it was all owls all the time on on TSN six ninety. Wow. Um, so I, I started to listen to it from the very beginning, and uh, I to be fair. It's tough not seeing it on TV or being able to see see uh, to see the actual play and stuff like that. Uh, I turned it off after the basically after the first quarter because the Owls were down twenty to nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I again I understand it's preseason. You know, the Alouettes do, did drop the game uh, forty five to twenty. Um, it's uh, it, to me, I was like blah. <laughs> well, and I, I get what you're saying because yeah, I mean. And our, our our new friend of the show, uh, Mark Olivier Bruyette, uh, mm-hmm. did a from what I was able to hear a fantastic job. Yeah, of, yeah, he did. Of bringing like the knowledge that he does and bringing the energy in. So I'm really happy that that's gotten off to a good start, and it just mean it can only mean good things as the season goes forward. But as far as I'm concerned, I it's disappointing that both the Alouettes and the Argonauts didn't think to have some sort of streaming thing set up at some in some way somehow to. Like, I understand why they did this event the way they did. Uh, it was all about trying to encourage uh, kids. Uh, like basically, school kids were able to go to this game and get a chance to experience football, which is great. I think it's a fantastic initiative, but I think it would have been really nice to still provide some sort of way for everyone else, especially the people that aren't in Toronto, <clears throat> to actually be able to watch this game. Cause, like, yeah, because did, didn't was it Winnipeg that was doing a, a live stream? Winnipeg's doing a live stream uh, for their game on uh, Thursday. That's right, yeah, because that's right. Only four games are being broadcast on TSN, with one of them being this coming up Alouette's game day on Thursday. Right, but the Tiger Cats are also going to be streaming their second preseason game. Huh. Through their website. Interesting. So, I mean, Winnipeg's able to do it. Uh, Hamilton's able to do it. Uh, I mean... Like I said, as far as I'm concerned, like I mean, logistics you, either way this time around, though, Cliff. Even though it was only TSN, even if there wasn't anybody doing it, you could still have. To, I guess I I don't know how this would work. If if they've been doing it both in English and French, having a radio broadcast, they could possibly do it. You know, with the actual audio itself, and just do it that way instead of having play by play guys. If you went to the French site, you'd hear the French audio. If you went to the English site, you would hear the English audio. But I, I again, I don't know. But maybe there would there be an issue with, anyways. I'm sure there'd be, there's all sorts of logistics that would have to be worked out for that to happen. But even again, even if you just put a single solitary camera, like someone just to pan back and forth, at least watch the game. Even if there's no audio, if, again, the idea is just to be able to watch the game. You don't necessarily have to listen to play by play banter or. Uh, I see what you're saying, but Cliff, this isn't the AAF. Remember, the AAF tried that 
on on their website. They were just streaming directly. They weren't streaming play by play. That to me, no, no. That that reminds me of the day. Was it? What was it back? The, the it's didn't the CFL technically do that when the was it CBC that went on strike? Yeah, with yeah. the. Uh... The announcers went on strike. Yeah, yeah. yeah, when the announcers went on strike, and, and I think it was what, one or two weeks where they actually did that, where the games that were, had, that were on CBC, it wasn't the same. It wasn't, I agree it's not the same, but, and again, it's just a pre, like, and the argument can be made, it's just a preseason yeah, game, but you know what? Yeah. Still, give, if, if people want to be able to sit and watch it, like, at least give them that opportunity. That's mm-hmm. that's all I'm saying. I mean, and, and if you can't link it up to the, the you know, the, the, the radio broadcasts or anything like that, then... Even if you had a couple of people there, just sort of talk and explain a little bit of stuff. I, I'm sure you can get like former players, both in English and French, yeah. to sit and just talk about what they see and all that. Yeah. Like, there must be some young broadcasters that would be w- more than willing to come and you know sit and call a football game. I mean, like I said, you're you're only limited by your imagination, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. And uh, why? Like, I, I, I maybe there's some logistics adversity. <sighs> maybe, but I mean, like again. Uh, until I'm given a solid reason as to why not, it just comes across as an excuse not to do something. Yeah. And in 2019, one, it's still I still don't completely understand why you can't broadcast all these games on TSN. And now, as these uh, other teams have been doing with their streaming, don't tell me you can't do it. It really comes down to, do you want to do it? Mm-hmm. So... I get it. I get it. And I, I, I think there's actually... Is there not one team? I, if I, I think it's Winnipeg. Uh... No, sorry. Uh, there was one team that you weren't going to see on on uh, it wasn't on TV. Any, it wasn't going to have any game broadcast at all. Right, I, and the name escapes me. But uh, imagine for those fans, like, okay, even if you can listen to it on the radio, it's better than nothing. But at the same time, like, it's 2019. Like the technology that we have at our hands is mm-hmm. incredible. I mean, for crying out loud, just something, anything. Like as far yeah. as giving fans a chance to watch, and you know what. Who wouldn't have been interested in seeing the Alouettes' new new uniforms in action? Oh, they were. Oh, yeah. I was going to get to that too. I was going to talk about that with camp and stuff like that. But yeah, we'll get to that too. But I mean, it's just little things here and there. And like yeah. I said, I'm probably nitpicking, and I'm but, sure most people are like, "Shut the hell up! You don't know what you're talking well, about." The, but the, pl- the plus thing too, though. But if there was a plus, I will admit that the Alouettes were, were able to show some highlights. I don't know who was taping the highlights or not, but these were, you know, the. They were showing some highlights from the game that they showed in a small package on, on I think it was on social media. I don't, I don't know if they also did that in, if they did that in, uh, 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 if they did that for uh, a total train, total brain freeze, what I was going to say. Um, I don't know if they did it on, on Facebook either, but, uh, but they were able to show some stuff. So, but, but still they were, were able to see it and. I, well, I guess that's what, that's another point, point too. You said they were able to put together a highlights package, which means somebody had a camera there. Yeah, like somebody I, was filming something. Like, yeah, I couldn't <laughs> tell what type of camera it was either, though. But that's that's the thing. Uh, I think the best way to describe how this game game was, Cliff, is that the the Alouettes did not get on the board until ten thirty five in the second quarter, with what with what was actually a pretty phenomenal thirty two yard run by Matthew Schultz. Mm-hmm. No, uh, I said again, another friend of the show, Matthew Schultz, scores technically the first touchdown of 2019 for the Alouettes. Mm-hmm. Uh, great little run. Uh, again, you can like you don't necessarily think of some of these quarterbacks as mobile. Like you think, like when it comes to mobile quarterbacks, you think of like the Vernon Adams or Antonio Pipkin. Uh, Schultz, 
I, I guess, again, he's he's very much from the Peyton Manning school as far as uh, pocket passing goes. But once in a while, he has to pull it pull it in and and go for a run. And boy, howdy, did he ever go for a run on that one? Yeah. And and then after that, the next time the, the Alouette scored was only in the fourth quarter. Um, with uh, uh, it was sorry, it was it was two fifty six in. Uh, and it was also when did they score their other touchdown at three twenty in? Uh, so. And it was done by uh, one of them was was by uh, was by Vernon Adams. Um, no, that was the two point convert. Yeah, no, no, it was uh, oh, the, the pick six. Sorry, we had a pick six. That was one of the touchdowns. Did, did I miss one? Yeah, the no. other. I forgot the Adams. The other touchdown at uh, at uh, two oh nine of the of the fourth quarter. Uh, so it was touchdown, pick six, two point convert, and that was it. Yeah. Now the touchdown. As you said, Vernon Adams threw a beautiful touchdown pass to Malcolm Carter, who has been one of my pleasant surprises in camp. Someone who's really upped his game. And uh, the Elwits need a national receiver to really step up and take 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 control. You got Stephen Adekalu, as I said. He's been the de facto national receiver. But you got some young guys in camp that have really been fighting for that spot. And Malcolm Carter has been one of those ones that has really stood up. And I think, as I said, taking that next step to the next level and the fact that he was able to score a touchdown in preseason always a nice uh nice little feather in your cap and i i got a feeling i just got a feeling that we're going to see a lot more from carter this year and folks if you don't know who this kid is get 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 your eyes on some film because uh-huh. this guy is a playmaker like you you talk about sj green the kind of receiver he was i see a lot of sj in malcolm carter and if he can be just half the player that SJ was, who Alouette's nation will be will be more the fine. The one few the one thing that actually does concern me, Cliff, when you look at the final stats, though, is that the Alouettes gave up a grand total of five hundred and ten yards of total offense. Um, that you know we're getting and we're we're you know we're coming into a season where we've had a, a, a our defensive coordinator really has not been in football really not stepped on the field in any way in about, you know, five to six years. And, it, and this is what's a little frustrating and a little concerning. Um, but yes, I do understand it is, you know, it, it is preseason. I think the Argos really played most of their, they played most of their ones, if I'm not mistaken, for a little bit. And most of their other quarterbacks back to back to back to back to back. And that's, that's really where they did a lot of the scoring. Um, but still, it it can be a little concerning. We'll see how it is this week versus the Red Blacks, considering that I think a lot of the ones will play and a lot of the first teamers will play. Um, but did it concern you at all, considering that they gave up uh, 455 passing yards? On the surface, I can understand why you'd be concerned, but let's not forget, as you said, a lot of the st- like a lot of the projected starters didn't make the trip to Toronto. Yeah. So again, what what do you expect at that point? And also to the fact that defensive coordinator is. Again, uh, from what I've been told, he has been pouring through film throughout the entire offseason to really get himself up to speed as much as possible. But we still can't ignore the fact that this is his first coaching gig in six years. It's you're going to have results like this. So uh, at the same time, too, offense kind of has to step up in that regard. Yeah, and going that that direction next. Yeah, good. Like going 0-4 in the first quarter is not going to do you any favors. Uh, especially too, since Kahari Jones does have a CFL coaching experience, so that shouldn't be an excuse. You have to be able to find a way to to get something going. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Antonio Pipkin started the game uh, wasn't able to produce a whole lot. You're one for five. One for five. 
Uh, yeah, no, that's uh, Schultz was I, next. Schultz was next, uh, three for five for eighteen yards. But he also had that rushing touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, next was Jeff Math. Was Matthews next after that? Yep, Matthews. He went four for five for twenty-three yards. And but then the guy who really stood out and who really shined was Vernon Adams. He was eight of seventeen, one hundred and sixteen yards, one interception on his first pass. Um, we we spoke to Vernon about that one, and uh, you know just shake it off and he he threw a, a touchdown uh his longest pass was 46 yards mm-hmm. so uh and then after that chris merchant uh he was over two yeah canadian quarterback by the way folks if you're paying attention yeah yeah but yeah it just seemed yeah the way that you can just tell him you're down 20 to nothing after one it, it just looked really bad <laughs> it really did look bad well you know and i as I said, unfortunately, I wasn't able to listen to the game because my work situation doesn't mm. quite allow for that. Yeah, obviously, couldn't watch the game. But uh, well, as you heard, said, uh, well, you heard. I, I was, you know, I was texting you the scores, and I, I was after one. I was like, screw it, I'm mm-hmm. done. <laughs> but what, what made me laugh, though, like again, on my, I was able to still be able to scroll through social media and see what was going on. Of course, people that still aren't seeing the game or anything like that, like they're nitpicking, they're. They got their comments out. They got the swords out for, you know, anything to do to carve up this team. And, okay, fine, I get it. And for the most part, maybe the Alouettes deserve a lot of the scorn that they get. But to sit there and talk crap about this this team playing half – only like only a handful of their starters and a lot of their, their rookies and uh, training camp evaluees and, and bagging on them for it. Well, guess what? They still scored 20 points. The uh, the Rough Riders and the Stampeders played last Friday, mm-hmm. and the final score there was thirty seven to one for Calgary. Thirty seven to one, all like for all the all the junk that you're going to talk. And fine, I appreciate good smack talk, but you're going to sit there and talk about the Alouettes and you know all, you know all their woes and everything like that. Meanwhile, all you do is score one fucking point in a preseason game. Okay, fine. You didn't have Zach Caleros, which is probably a blessing in disguise because the guy is like a Fabergé egg. You, you look at him cross-eyed and he's going to get injured. The, that means that the rest of your team has to step up. But for all that, all you get is one point and you're going to bag on the Alouettes? Hey, guess what? Last time I checked, 20 was more than one. Yeah. And I know it's just preseason, doesn't count, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? You're going to talk junk. You better back it up. And uh, again, 21. End of story. I mean... Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, the other notables for this game um, uh, was uh, for rushing Matt Schiltz at uh, two carries for 42 yards and a touchdown. Uh, uh, Jeshrun Antwi, I pronounce that, hopefully I'm pronouncing that properly, five carries for 36 yards. Um, Ansel Robo, great last name, by the way, <laughs> uh, five for 14. And Justin Strong, he had one carry for 16 yards. Uh, Receiving-wise for the Alouettes, uh, Quan Bray, uh, five targets, four receptions, 42 yards. Josh Cleveland, uh, three targets, two receptions, 24 yards. Uh, Eugene Lewis, uh, you know, two for two, 16. And Malcolm, we were talking about it before, Malcolm Carter, uh, four targets, three receptions, 63 yards, and a touchdown. Everybody else uh, had... uh, had targets or had very little yards to even speak of. So, um, rushing wise for the Al, uh, we already did, we already did that. Yeah. So, uh, what before we move on? Uh, what were your what were your takeaways? I mean, yes, like I said, it is a lot of the ones did not come. Uh, yes, they didn't score until the second, 
Um, they were down 27. Oh, it was at 30. They were down 31 points, I think, total at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that really t- that we can really take away from this game? As far as I'm concerned, there's not really a whole lot you can take away. I mean, other than the fact that certain guys stepped up and certain guys didn't, uh, certain players shined, certain didn't. I mean, that's your typical preseason game. Like, at the end of the day, it's to find out who's going to stand out, who's going to make the noise, and who's going to get themselves noticed. Now, as we stated, Vernon Adams was the fourth quarterback of that game. And he's the one that actually has the, I'd say, the most CFL experience out of the four. Well, Matthews might have just one or two games more than what Vernon does. But, I mean, Math, or Vernon Adams has started games in the CFL, and he's won games in the CFL. And yet he was fourth on the depth chart, and he ends up having the best game. I mean, I tell you what, folks, that's that's how you separate the... The men from the boys. That's how you you see who wants it the most. Yeah. And I'm not saying the other guys don't want it, but at the same time, this is your opportunity to shine. You only get two preseason games, so you've got to you got to make your case right away. And if nothing else, Vernon Adams definitely made his case. Like they've they pretty much said that starting comp, the the starting quarterback position is up for grabs. Like the, it's it's a competition. Yep. It's not they're not going to hand it over just to one person for no. any number of reasons. Like no. you're going to have to actually fight for it. And if nothing else, Vernon Adams definitely made his case heard. He he made it clear that yes, I want to be a part of this team. I want to be the leader of this team. Here's my resume. Here's here's what I have to offer. Yep. And uh-huh. he did that. Uh, one thing I do want to mention, and we're talking about how Commissioner Commissioner Ambrose is talking about CFL 2.0 and the, the global the global Canadian Football League or whatever term that they're using. Um, one thing that I think that we have to mention is about and, and what does he go by? By the way, Cliff, is it, is it Enrique Romero? What does he go by? Enrique Yeni. Oh, it, it is. Oh, it, it's Enrique Yeni. Yeni. Okay, because I'm just looking at here, they have it listed as Yeni Romero on the uh, on the stat sheet. That's unusual. Okay, well, it's, it's, it's actually his full name, Enrique uh, Gerardo Yeni Romero. Okay. But anyways, I... anyways um, him going head to head with Boris Bede, um, which I found because if anybody saw his footage on 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 how he could kick, and now mind you, it was a smaller ball. He actually let, mentioned that to us one day at camp, mm-hmm. um, and he was just getting used to the new size of the, of, of the CFL balls itself, and he's also kicking. At uh, at altitude, no, no, is it the other way around? Other way around. Other way around. When he was in, uh, when he was in Mexico, he was kicking at altitude. Yeah. Uh, um. So the ball may may travel farther, but still, looking at him going head to head here. Now, to be fair, punting Boris did do seven seven kicks. Uh, uh, Enrique only did two. Um, but the average was uh, forty one three to forty forty point five in favor of Boris. Um. Did I get that right there? Net average. What am I? What am I missing here? <laughs> what am I missing here? No, that's right. Okay, that's right. And then in for for kickoffs, uh, Enrique did two for 125, and Boris did two for 129. So very close there. Mm-hmm. So it should be interesting. I'm curious to know if if, if you know they had his quote unquote pick on him, his his uh, uh, Mexican Football League pick on him. Uh, I'm curious to know if they're going to keep him, considering that with the new rules of the CBA, that they seem to be allowing for a global spot. So um, mm-hmm. makes me wonder. It really makes me wonder. So uh, any thoughts on that before we move on? It, it will be interesting because, again, over the years, the LOS have expected their kicker to do both kicking and punting duties, which both these guys can do. Uh, 
I'd give Bede the slight edge mostly because he's already got years of experience in the league, whereas, as you said, Enrique Yeni has put together some pretty nice footage on his uh, social media, but I, I, I've noticed in what from what I've seen, like, yeah, he can kick the ball, but he has had some struggles with it as far as the, the weight and the size of it, like having to adjust to that. So, I mean, that's, I guess, some of the growing pains that he'll have to adjust for or or, or just sort of tailor his game a little bit more towards. Uh, again, like I, I think he's done a, a good, solid job. I think both kickers have done a solid job so far. Uh, it'll be really interesting to me to see how they how they do this, if they're going to actually go with two kickers, have one concentrate on punting and the other kicking, or vice versa, or I, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to play this off, but uh, I'm, I'll be really curious to see if Montreal actually does go with two kickers on their roster this season. Yep. Should be interesting. And obviously we'll be watching, well, obviously when the cuts come out after the, after the uh, red blacks game this week, uh, this weekend and um, see which direction that the, that the team's going to go. All right. So the elephant room and, and you were talking about how people were, were, uh, were yammering on social media. Oh, geez. Were they, did they, did all the ones that had something to say really come out of the woodwork with this? Um, it was announced by, and something you and I saw coming miles away anyways, the, the, it was finally announced officially that the CFL had taken over, uh, ownership of the, uh, of the, um, of the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, first, before we talk about the possible negatives and how, how the reaction was, I think Cliff, what we need to do is we need to, uh, talk about the, our former ownership group first with the, uh, with the Wettenall family. Um, mm-hmm. I can honestly say, you know, as a, as a season ticket holder for 23 seasons, and they basically have been my owner for all these 23, uh, 20, uh, 22 plus seasons. Um, if it was not for Bob Wettenall buying this team out of, uh, was it dissolvency? I think that's the word they were using. Buying mm-hmm. it from from uh, Jim Spiros and that, and that group. Uh, we would not be talking about the Alouettes today as we are right now. In any, way, shape, or, in any way, shape, or form. You're absolutely right. Uh, by all means, uh, Bob Wettenhall definitely deserves all the praise. He definitely deserves all the props as far as everything he's done for this team and for the city as well. And his and his CFL Hall of Fame and nomination as a builder. Exactly. Uh, sorry, induction. Induction. Sorry, induction. No. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I, I, I just want to say that um, personally, I mean, I got to meet Mr. Wettenhall a couple of times at some of the season ticket holder functions. Um, just it was just really in passing. I probably didn't know him as well as some of the other some of the other uh, media do does here in Montreal. But uh, um, I, I do want to thank him and his family uh, for being what seemed to be the perfect owner for a football team. Um, uh, yes, I understand that the team fell on on tough times over the past couple of years, and well, especially since AC went down and retired. Um, but you really can't. I don't know if you can really blame a lot of stuff that happened because you do have people who are, you know, are in football operations who were making some of the other decisions on who they were going to bring in. But um, I, I, again, I want to thank the Wettenalls for everything that they did. Um, I am appreciative. Uh, I am thankful that they were, they were the owners for the team. And um, I can just hope, hope that the next owners uh, of the Montreal Alouettes will be even a, it will even be a, a, a you know, a, just a small percentage of what they have been. I, I love it. See, if, you know, if they can be that, I, I will be happy. That that's, that's all that matters. But I, will, I just want to thank the Wet and Alls for everything that they did for for fans like myself and for for fans in the city. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll echo those same statements. Uh, I too have also had the pleasure of meeting with uh, 
Mr. Wettenhall a couple of times and always in good spirits, always uh, positive. Like you talk about a, a fan of the team, like he, mm-hmm. to him, it wasn't a, a business. It was something that he was passionate about was being the owner of the Montreal Alouettes. Like it wasn't just a, a side gig for him or a hobby or just something to do. Like he was, it was something he truly enjoyed being a part of. And to see him oversee so, such a successful team during the first uh, I'd say 15 years of this millennium, like this, this team was the model franchise for the longest time and success going to Grey cup year after year, uh, finally bringing home three Grey cups in his tenure is no small feat. I mean, that's, that, that's tremendous. And uh, I, I always think back, like there was a, an interview that he actually did on TSN radio uh, many moons ago. And he talked about how he wasn't worried about, the ownership of this team because he felt that with his family in place and the dedication that they had to the city of Montreal and to the Alouettes, that things were going to be great for a good long time. And unfortunately it didn't quite turn out that way as uh, uh, there's a, uh, there's a number of reasons why the Alouettes are in the situation they are now. And to pin it strictly on the wet and hall family would be unfair. Yes. They would, they certainly have to shoulder a good amount of responsibility for it, but it's not completely on them. It's not completely on football operations. It's not completely on the players. Like there's enough blame to go around as to why things are the way they are, but it's not about that right now. Right now it's about the fact that yes, this, this family basically saved this team from extinction and with their support, it did become, as I said, the model franchise for the Canadian football league for so many years. And as far as I'm concerned, they definitely deserve a, a, a huge thank you from every football fan in this province and in this country, too, mm-hmm. for making the Alouettes what they are. Things are not that great right now. I, I'll be the first to admit it. I, I've said so on numerous occasions. I've been very critical of a lot of the decisions that the family has made as in, in recent years. But it's only critical because I care about this team and I want to see it succeed. And I know that they've wanted this team to succeed as well. And unfortunately, this hasn't gone that way in the past couple of years. So I think it's better for them to bow out now and let someone else with new energy, with new ideas, someone who's dedicated to being, if they can, as you said, just be a fraction of the owners that they were, then this team will be in good hands for a long, long time. And I sincerely hope that they still are going to be a part of this team in some way, shape or form, at least in spirit, if any, if nothing else. And uh, once again, to Bob and the entire Wettenhall family, again, from a longtime fan of this, of this organization, thank you so much for everything you've done for the Montreal Alouettes and for the city of Montreal. Right. Um, so again, obviously to the big news where it came out that the, that the Alouettes were sold to the CFL, and they've been, you know, uh, you know, they were saying that they've been helping with the day-to-day operations, and and, and to, I think I think it's been they've been helping with day-to-day day-to-day operations for a little bit longer than actually has been led on, um, you know, especially with the, uh, um, you know, when they said it's now official type of thing, da 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 da, but. Um, you know, and as I was saying before, now all of a sudden all these idiots come out of the woodwork. Oh, well, the team should fold. All oh, this has happened again. Oh, this is 86 all over again. Oh, they should just move to Halifax. Oh, they should just do that. All I can say to a lot of these people is just fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, you know, it, that's that's really just it. Just shut your trap. I understand you you have, you, you, you can give your opinion. That's fine. But if all you can spout is negativity, that this is the end, this is the end, this is the end. 
Shut up. It's very simple. Just wait and, just wait and see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, I do not see, and I'm saying this now, I do not see this team folding in any way, shape, or form because the CFL will not allow it to happen. No. The CFL, There's too much at stake. Yes. The CFL will not allow this to happen. And uh, very, some very interesting things that were talked about, and I know this seems that Tony Marinero seems to be the catalyst for a lot of the stuff, for a lot of stuff that's breaking as of, as of late. You know, it's nice to see that some of the stuff's coming out. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about, uh, wow, it's three ownership groups now that supposedly have quote-unquote come and gone or have been disqualified or have been told no thank you or whatever it is. Um, what's what's been your 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 thought process on on the three groups uh that have basically uh, have have i guess supposedly have not been chosen to be the next owners of the Montreal Alouettes well there are three potential ownership groups that were were in the mix or may still be in the mix it's there's so much going around out now that you just you don't really know what to believe anymore and I'll touch briefly on the three groups that have been in the news of late. Yeah. Uh, the first one that was most notable and appeared to be a strong contender was a group actually led by former Montreal Alouette, Eric Lapointe. Uh, there was a thought that he would be a great owner because, again, he's made a, he's been very successful in his post-football career. And being a former player for the Alouettes, he knows exactly how this organization ticks and he knows what he understands the importance of making this football team relevant again so there's a lot of people that were really hoping that he'd take over and be that uh, that leader for this uh, for this franchise uh, but now reports are saying that he's out of the mix uh, there was also a, uh, a local investor named Clifford Stark who would be uh, a, par- a potential owner but uh, he too uh, has some ties to the uh, the CFL by way of being uh, friends with the son of former CFL commissioner and Alouette's president, Larry Smith, uh, also a former receiver uh, in the CFL, one Brad Smith. Uh, that, too, uh, again, if you were, if you're to believe the reports that are coming out, he, too, has also been told thanks but no thanks when it comes to the uh, potential ownership of the Alouette's. Uh, but the one name that had really stood out and really looked to be a strong contender to be the actual owner is the group led by uh, Vincenzo Guzzo, uh, who is the uh, – you, you see him on Dragon's Den in on CBC mm-hmm. as one of the, the dragons. Uh, for the, for our, our American listeners, if you don't know what Dragon's Den is, it's essentially the Canadian version of Shark Tank. Yes. Just just to clarify. Which, which is funny considering this is, an, this is a sort of a caveat considering that – uh, how many of the uh, dr- former Dragons Den dragons came over and became sharks? Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Mr. Wonderful himself and uh, um, Robert Javik. There you go. So, in case you're wondering what the tie-in is there, but yeah, yeah. Uh, and also uh, Mr. Guzzo is uh, known locally here uh, as also the uh, the czar of movies because he has uh, a chain of uh, movie theaters here in. Montreal area. So he's definitely successful, definitely local, which is what the CFL wants is a, a local ownership group to take over the team. And for a while, it looked like he was uh, definitely interested, but then all of a sudden things kind of cooled off. And um, again, for any number of reasons, uh, things just didn't go that way. So now the CFL apparently is dealing with a few other people, but once again, like most things to do with the Alouettes operating under a cone of silence. 
And while that's good in the sense that it sort of takes the heat off the team as far as where things are going, it does also lead to the speculation that, oh, you know, the the doom and gloom and everything like that. And the fact that the team isn't saying anything or even the league isn't saying anything about it or at least very – secretive if you will very about it so. very much so even with today's interview that he had that commissioner Ambrose had with uh tony marinero i mean it was just a uh commissioner was giving his best political non-political answers by praising by praising everybody that he has met that they've met so much to him uh this that and the other with it, you know no no answers <laughs> I mean, I don't know what yeah. to, I don't know what he expect what Tony expected to get out of the commissioner. It's not like he was going to break. I don't think he was going to break anything. No, and the way he was, the way Commissioner Ambrosi was able to answer questions by not answering questions was. Yeah, and again, he's, he's again over the past couple of months, he's had a lot of that considering he's been in CBA negotiations. So, being able to say one thing and mean another has. Uh, I think that's been some great training for this particular instance right now. <laughs> yeah, well, considering that almost got almost got the CFO in a ton of trouble, mm-hmm. a little sneaky, sneaky that they were try- what they that they tried. But anyways, that's 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 another story. Right. So all of this to say that depending on who you ask, the Alouettes are, are are in good hands right now because the league is taking care of things, which I believe. And this is something I had long suspected that. The 2019 season was more than likely going to be run by the league as they go through the process of trying to vet one of these ownership groups, whether it's the ones that I mentioned or if you were to believe Commissioner Ambrosi, there's a couple other groups that are interested but are asking to be – they're asking to remain anonymous for any number of reasons. Uh So apparently there is demand. Apparently there are people that want to buy the LOS and are willing to do what it takes to make this team successful again. It's just – it's all part of the process. So, you know, the old expression is trust the process and I get it. But I mean, for fans of this team, they're just, they're not accustomed to losing. They're not accustomed to patience. They, they, they want a winner. They want things to be good now. So it's definitely going to make for an interesting season because I, quite frankly, I don't see an ownership group taking over this team right away. I think it's going to be a long process. I think the league is going to, run this team as they see fit. I think, you know, they'll, they're going to do everything they can to keep the doors open, which is something I, I came to expect. I want to make sure that everybody gets paid and everything goes the way it's supposed to go. But as far as a new, who the new owner will be and when it's going to be announced, I honestly, I, I quite frankly would be surprised to see anything before Grey Cup even. Like, I'll go so far as to say maybe Grey Cup weekend, maybe that's when the new, the, the new ownership group will take over for the Alouettes. Maybe. I, if, I were to, if I were to speculate, if I was to make a, a sort of claim as to it, that would be my thinking, is that for 2019, the league runs the show here in Montreal. Come Grey Cup, they will have gone through the whole process. They will have vetted everyone. And at that point, they, at that point, they'd like to make a big splash with Grey Cup, whether the Alouettes are in it or not, or if they're even in the conversation or anything like that, just to be able to say, come Grey Cup week, guess what? The new Alouette's owner is fill in the blank. Yeah. And then the the minute the Great Cup's handed out, the, the 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 league hands everything over to the new ownership group and they are given carte blanche to do everything they want to do right away. And anything uh, anything mentioned with uh, I guess we could take us I know we had we had a little combo uh, off air kinda with uh, uh, with Mr. Guzzo about uh, 
about some of the things. What was your and his and his open comments about changing the name of the team? Just out of curiosity, I know it's more or less it could be a moot point, anyways. But uh, what, what was your thought on him changing? Because I, I made my 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 voice clear on on social media what I felt felt about. It. I don't know if I saw what, what you thought, but what, what's your thought of him? I'm looking at the idea of toying with the idea of changing the name of the team from the Montreal Alouettes to the Quebec Alouettes. Well, and let's clarify something for those of you who didn't know, don't know what we're talking about. Yes, that was one of the things that was mentioned as a possibility was that that Mr. Guzzo would explore possibly changing the name from the Montreal Alouettes to the Quebec Alouettes or the Les Alouettes de Quebec to sort of focus on the idea of making this Quebec's football team, even though by by default they are Quebec's football team. I guess he wants to sort of capitalize, sort of like what the Saskatchewan Roughriders do or what the B- BC Lions do, like to sort of focus on. It's not just one city's team; it's a whole province's team. So we should ref- it should be reflected and celebrated as such. I personally wouldn't like. I, I wouldn't want to see that because I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. I think the brand, the Montreal Alouettes brand, is big enough, strong enough, and despite what's happened over the past couple of years, still has value as it sits. And I think uh, after a little while, I think uh, Mr. Guzzo had to sort of clarify that it's just something that he's thought about or he's looked into or would consider. But I think at the end of the day, I think he sort of realizes that uh, the branding means a lot too. And this is what people identify the team as is the Montreal Alouettes. And to go and change that for the sake of change, I don't think would... it's not a move you would take. You wouldn't do it flippantly. You would have to really, really research it and see if it would work. Uh, personally, I couldn't see it happening. And I think Mr. Guzzo is a smart businessman. I think he and he understands branding. He understands name recognition. Uh, I, I just don't think he would make such a bold change. Yeah. Or if he did, he would have had to research the hell out of it and make sure that this is a move that would work. As far as I'm concerned, as it stands right now, the Alouettes are Quebec's team. Even if you were to get another CFL team in Quebec City, for example, this is still very, as it stands right now, the Alouettes, as the Montreal Alouettes, are still very much Quebec's football team. It starts with the Alouettes and trickles all the way down to the high school junior levels. I mean, the football in this province is huge, and it's all because of the Montreal Alouettes. Yep, I, I agree. I think one of the one of the huge one of the things though that made it very interesting is that didn't he have, he brought up the possible idea of of our, our of a new stadium and our own training facility? He did mention that he did mention the idea of starting stuff brand new because as it stands right now the Alouettes don't really own any of their practice facilities or they don't own most of Percival Molson Stadium yeah. like they don't really have any sort of uh, assets of their own so to speak other than the team itself so yeah. yeah. And again, as as much as we love Percival Molson Stadium, uh, I can see why there might be a, a market for building a, a stadium strictly for the Alouettes and making it all about the Alouettes. Uh, practice facility would be very cool as well, uh, as opposed to just sort of uh, heading over to Olympic Stadium or even practicing at Percival Molson. Well, and that's one thing I wanted to say, and which I didn't mention before when we're talking about uh, training camp, is that one thing I've noticed that looks like they've done is that just the locker room, more, just more than the locker rooms this year for the Alouettes here at Percival Molson, they seem to have their own area where the players can actually go in and get changed. So it looks like there was a, is there, there's possibly a secondary training, uh, uh, training facility. Or, or, or a locker room for the team while they're during training, during training camp. Because mm-hmm. if you remember when we were standing there, I don't know if you noticed it, there was an actual door that said 
uh, had this had the new had the new sign up signage up and everything. It said uh, you know Alouette's personnel only. Mm-hmm. So no, and again, it, it could, but it could be temporary rooms that are just sort of reconfigured so that it's big enough to fit all oh, the players. Yeah. No, I get that. I get that. But uh, again, we're not, we're not. Unfortunately, we're not privy to a lot of the stuff that happens inside the actual stadium itself. So I mean, it's again just speculation. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, before we talk about the game, there's just a, uh, the game, upcoming game this week. There's just a couple of things I know we wanted to mention. Um, first and foremost, being able to the, the branding is you know we were at the at the launch back in February. Um, being able to see. The new unis. I know it's just the way unis. And by the way, I think that's what the team's going to be wearing this week too. I think I think they're probably going to be wearing the white. They're going to hold off on the on the on the blue jerseys until their home opener. Um, but man, I'm loving what I am seeing. Just being able to see. And by the way, for those who don't know, these new helmets that the teams are wearing, there's these are they're not decals. There's no decals on these things at all. Uh, basically, it is uh, two layers of paint. It, they're done in the, in the, the maroon red or whatever color they're calling it now, putting a stencil over of the of the of, uh, of the embered and then painting it blue and then taking off the stencil. That it's amazing. It really is cool. It really looks good. And I, I think a lot of people, obviously, there are a lot of people that don't like the logo. They don't like how it's placed on the helmet. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, now that I've had a chance to actually see it in action. I gotta say, I mean, I'm. Uh, I, I see all the different little elements and how it works, uh, and yeah, it's, yeah. you know, so it's just one of those things that it's crazy enough to work. Like, I mean, it's very jarring to see at first because, yeah, you're used to seeing a logo on one or both sides of a helmet, and that's it. And I'm sure there's some people that would like to see even just yellowers keep that current logo they have now, but just do that, just have the logo on site. But I think by doing this, by putting the logo on the way they did, and you just see all those little dimensions, all the things that make this. Like the new Montreal Alouette. I mean, it's now having seen it in action. Like I'm just like, wow, that is. It really makes you sit up and take notice when you look. Like I said, what's coming straight at you? Like the the helmet. You see the M on the side. You see the wings of of a bird or a plane, and then like the tail in the back. I mean, like it definitely looks like it's constant motion. Like it looks like something's constantly moving at all times. And and then there's the hint to history by having the four other logos on the side of the of the ear holes mm-hmm. so it, it looks amazing and they, yeah. get the, they get the new signage up at the stadium i'm i'm really liking the new oval logo i think it really works well when they have it in the uh, the red on blue i think it, it really looks well it really looks nice and I, i'm looking forward to and i know there's been some issues after speaking with with some people on, on trying to get to, uh, on a mini helmet if the if the team and cam and the boutique can figure out how to get these mini helmets made oh I'll be happy to have one because I'm hearing there's there there. It's not like your, your normal mini helmet. It's not like your normal mini helmet oh. or helmet period. So no, it's, it, it's completely different direction. It's definitely, as, as I said, something you've never really seen before or not seen very often in any league, as far as like a, how a, a logo sits on a football helmet. And I, I will give the Alouettes credit for trying something new, uh, whether or not fans are going to respond to it. And, and that like, Again, all the more reason. Definitely got to come out to a game. You got to see these helmets in action. And I'm still hoping that come that that first televised game on TSN, if they get the sky cam and they just the opening kickoff, just to watch all those birds, so to speak, take flight. Yeah, 
I think it's just going to be a really cool visual. Yeah, I think it will too. Um, the Alouettes are also bringing back their fourth quarter tickets this year. What are they calling it again? Um, uh, your, your Q4 tickets. Uh, that, for those of you who don't remember, and it was much much talked about. Now, even myself, I thought it was a an idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, where basically you can get in for ten dollars um, if some if the ticket those a specific location is available. Um, you know, you can you'll be you can start this week. Start as early as this this game this Thursday. Uh, tickets for the fourth quarter are available to purchase online now, starting at ten dollars, ten seven dollars for students. Uh, and uh, if you're around, you get to see, see the last minutes. Um, uh, they'll also be sold at the stadium at halftime on game day upon availability. So, um, also the the team announced the uh, was it the halftime shows and the. Uh, the some of the people who are going to be singing the national anthems. Um, I'm just going to say, yeah. I, does the team have something to do? They I guess the team seems really seems to love hip hop. <laughs> Not that I'm against hip hop, I like certain certain music, but I mean, it's like it just seems to be the hip hop, hip hop, hip. It's like uh, something else, please, <laughs> please. Well, I mean, certain cities are known for certain things. I mean, you go out to Calgary, it's country music. Uh, go to Toronto, it's, uh, you know, it's Canadian music. <laughs> uh, go to Hamilton, it's the Arkells. Uh, gosh. Uh, so, yeah, Montreal, I guess, is going to be the hip-hop city, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, say, you couldn't say, say the rec laws for Toronto because they're not based out of Toronto. But, uh... but uh, I mean, again, it's not like the uh, Edmonton Eskimos uh, bringing in uh, – Buster Rhymes and Flo Rida and mm-hmm. all these other, uh, uh, you know, flash in the pan artists. Yeah. Montreal can't quite do that yet. And maybe that's, it's just as well. So, I mean, again, it's, it, it's entertainment. I mean, it is what it is. What are you, what are you going to do? Yeah. Also, there was a slight change. And I want to know your, your thought about this clip. There's a slight change to the, uh, to the touchdown Atlantic game for the, between the Argos and the Alouettes. Uh, the game was originally scheduled. It's, it's on August 25th, a uh, Sunday, August 25th. Originally scheduled to, to kick off at 7.30 Atlantic, 6.30 Eastern. The game has been moved to 1.30 Atlantic, um, 12.30 Eastern. Uh, it's, it's funny how some people are really saying, why are they doing this? When, in, in my opinion, this is the best thing that they could have done. Con- considering that, I think, I think it's, isn't, that, isn't that the long weekend, though, for most of Canada except for Quebec? No. When's the long Oh, that's earlier in August, right? Yeah, or the first weekend of August is. That's uh, it. That's the, it. That's it. You're right. I think this is the best thing that they could have done is move it to one o'clock to one thirty. Uh, and real, realistically, that's how it should have been in the first place. Yeah. Is an afternoon game. Uh, if you're not going to do it, se- like, well, Sundays are is kind of tricky, especially late August, because now you're getting into like NFL territory. So oh, no, doing- not NFL territory. Oh yeah. Oh, God, going up against the games. <laughs> season. What are we going to do? Um. Yeah. So but uh, so to, to I, me, I, I, I don't know how that's gonna how that's gonna affect or change the 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 fan plane trip that the Owls want to do because I know the schedule is based on a two day a two day trip. Um, I don't know now. I'd I'd have to reach and I, and I am still. I think Cliff, you are too. I think it, best thing to do if we do go, let's go together. Then we can bunk together in the same room. Um, would be the best thing to do, right? Um, mm-hmm. We're still. We're. I think we're both of us are still currently on the fence, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Am I speaking right for you too? Yes, and I'm actually kind of hoping what the Alouettes do with this new time change is perhaps rethink. I understand and appreciate the fan plane wanting to make an overnight trip because when they did it last year in Regina, 
and I was there for that. It was an amazing experience. It makes absolute sense if you're going out west to make it an overnight trip. But now if you're going to do this game and it's Sunday at 1 o'clock, my personal opinion is to make it a one-day event. Get up early, fly down to Moncton, do a tailgate, do a little party-up thing, have a little meet and greet with the players after the game, and then everybody can jump on a plane and head back home that same day. Yeah. Cut the cost, too, because, I mean, again, it's one thing to pay a certain amount of money for an overnight trip and have all that stuff. And like, once again, I, w- I cannot state how awesome it was to be able to do that going to Regina. Like, it was an amazing trip. And as far as I was concerned, well worth the money to be able to do so. But if you're just going to go to, if you're going to fly out to Moncton Saturday night and there's no activities, yes, no anything planned. Yeah. I, I've been to Moncton uh, for a touchdown Atlantic and it was fun. It was enjoyable, but at the same time, a lot of times I think that even the people in Moncton had no idea there was anything going on. Like now that's on the league for not promoting this game properly. And they even went so far as to admit why they didn't promote the game properly. And hopefully that's going to change, especially if the Atlantic Schooners group are going to be the ones sort of hosting the game. And I, I sincerely hope they have more stuff planned other than just the game itself. But in this instance, I don't think Gallowitz should do an overnight trip because you fly out to Moncton and do what exactly until the game? Like, to me, it's just it, unless you know for certain that you're going to have a, a whole plethora of activities to do. And all sorts of things going on, especially with the teams themselves and everything like that. We're going to go to Magnetic Hill, Cliff. That's where we're going to go. We're going to go to Magnetic Hill and watch everybody look like they're, they're look like they're going up when they're going down or down when they're going up. Yeah, or you, I don't know, take a, a well, there's a couple of nice breweries there. So I mean, I, I would do the craft beer thing myself, but that's me and not everybody yeah. is into it. But to me personally, I think, I, I sincerely hope that the Alouettes, if they are still planning to do an overnight trip, I mean, I sincerely hope they reconsider Cut the price a little bit, and I think you'd get more fans that'd be interested in actually taking a flight to Moncton for the day to see this game, interact with the players afterwards for a little bit, and then hop on the plane and head back home and go back to you know go back go on with your life after that. Uh, I don't know. To me, that would, I think would be the best way to do it. You cut the price a little bit, and I think fans will be more on board with that as opposed to paying you know a good chunk of change to sit overnight in Moncton, yeah, yeah. of all places, yeah, and. Have nothing going on. Like I said, just my thoughts. The no, I'll, I'll, take reach or leave out, it. I'll reach out to the Alouettes. I'll have to reach out to the Alouettes and see what they're see if they're going to having if they're going to be making any modifications to what they currently did. Uh, also, the Alouettes are going to be offering a, uh, a fan bus again this year. It's going to be for the July thirteenth game at uh, at uh, at Ottawa. Um, hey, only eighty nine bucks. It's not bad. It's not, not bad, bad at all. all. Um, and it's and it's during the weekend, so that that the round trip includes. Uh, the uh, uh, bus ride, uh, ticket. Uh, I'll try the games at four, and mm-hmm. a side. Let's say sideline experience before the game. Yeah. So again, and that's pretty cool. I, I definitely would encourage people to, if they've never done a bus trip with the Alouettes, to definitely do that because I think it'll be a, a fun, uh, fun chance. And again, TV Place is just a beautiful stadium, and they they actually do have some good fans in our nation. So. Uh, you know, I think it'll be a fun experience for everybody there. So if uh, if, you, if you feel like hitting the road, folks, if you don't necessarily want to drive your own car and you just want to go and have fun, I, I would definitely recommend uh, signing up for this bus tour. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Um, I don't think, is there, is there anything else that I wanted to mention before we get to the game this week? Uh, anything else you want to mention before we get to the game this week? Well, I think we've pretty much covered everything. Uh, as I said, uh, so much going on uh, as far as uh, 
moves and all that happening. Uh, this coming weekend is where the cuts are going to happen. So uh-huh. uh, we'll see how the preseason game goes. But uh, a couple of couple players have been released, a couple of uh, lesser-known players. So, uh, you know, no disrespect to them or anything like that. But, I mean, it's, the team's making moves and they've got decisions to make. So but I think they really want to give a chance to everybody as much as possible on Thursday. So I think it's going to be uh, it'll be really interesting to see just who – ends up starting the game and who gets the most playing time. Mm-hmm. That'd be very as I said, as, it'll be a tune-up for a couple of players, like players that didn't play in Toronto, for example, they're going to get a few reps. Oh, yeah. But uh, it'll be interesting to see which bubble players are going to get the chance. And, and and you were talking about one, we didn't talk about it for training camp, but I think is one of those bubble players that you're talking about, one of the guys to watch, you said which the guy, and I don't remember the guy's name, that's why I'm asking you, uh, he could possibly be the, the next uh, Brandon Zilstra. Oh, that would be uh, Jake Winecki? Yeah. Yeah, because uh, yeah. I, I saw. Yeah, because we were there the other day at camp, and yeah, the dude, yeah. <laughs> the dude can cat. He all out, man. Oh, kid's a baller, and uh, still young. Uh, he's done a great job. He's actually been lining up with the the starters in camp, which is definitely a sign that you're doing something right. So, I wouldn't necessarily call him a bubble player because I actually do think he's. He, uh, put it this way, I'd be stunned if he didn't at least, at least make practice roster on this team. Like, he's been showing out every single day. And I, I think uh, LOS fans, now that the game's going to be on TSN, I think a lot of people are now going to get see what this guy can do. And uh, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised at just how he is. And just everything, I, every time I look at him, I honestly see another Brent, Brendan Zilstra in this. Like, kid that just comes out of nowhere, he... Went to the NFL, nothing happens, and then comes to the CFL, lights it up, may just end up going back to the NFL. So we'll see what happens. But I, I see a lot of that in this kid. And uh, folks, definitely pay attention to him. Remember the name, Jake Winecki. Jake Winecki. Anything else you wanted to mention about the, the upcoming game? I, there's really not much we really not much the preview. I mean, it's it's a matter who, who how much playing, as you said, how much playing time the quarterbacks are going to get. The ones we'll, I'm sure we'll play. Um what I found interesting, by the way, is how Ottawa's already named their starting quarterback for the season. Mm-hmm. Which- yep, Dominique Davis is going to be the starter, which is interesting because he was battling with uh, Jonathan Jennings, uh, another free agent signing for the Red Blacks. Uh, but again, I, I think just based on their one preseason game, like I guess I feel they've got to get in front of it right away. May as well get make sure there's no quarterback controversy whatsoever. Obviously. The better you play, the more likely you're going to start. So I think they feel confident enough, at least with Davis have, having been in the lineup last season for the uh, for the Red Blacks. Just give him the give him the chance to, to drive the car first, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. So so at least at least we know this Thursday that uh, the first quarterback we see will be Dominique Davis, mm-hmm. and how the how the rest of it falls in place for Ottawa, I guess yeah. only time will tell. But yeah. so at least yeah. we know that. But uh, with us, as we were told, uh, there is still very much a quarterback competition. So it'll be really interesting to see who gets the start. And perhaps that will sort of tell the tale as to where this team is going as far as the quarterback goes. And pretty much as it stands right now, like there's four very good quarterbacks in this lineup that will get playing time, will all get looks, and we'll just see how it all unfolds, really. Yeah, that's true. It'll be it'll be interesting. Um I can't remember. Do not forget. Also, uh, for season ticket holders too, and stuff like that. Remember, they're going to be they're going to be starting their new express lanes for your tickets. So don't forget to activate your season ticket cards if you haven't done already. Um, I know they have. If you're bringing anything into the stadium, make sure you put it into your clear bag. Um, but I know they have that new express lane, which I'm actually going to love. 
gonna love that express lane. Um, cause I really don't bring anything anyways, except for my seed. So, <laughs> um, it should be fun. I, I don't expect, I mean, it'll be nice to see some people there to get to see some faces I haven't seen in a while. Um, I don't know uh, how many people will show up, but I know you and I had a conversation. We'll talk about more of that, I think, uh, in the show next week. Um, but uh, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll leave it at that. So uh, don't forget that we are on social media. There are multiple places where you can find us. Uh, best place to find us is over on Twitter, and that is at Alouette's FL Deck. And if you want to listen to any of the recent shows of uh, of the podcast, uh, you can head over to alouettesflightdeck.ca, or you can head over to Google Play Music, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, or Spotify. So Cliff, uh, it'll be good seeing you in a uh, uh, in a game day mode on Thursday. Absolutely, I'm. I know it's just preseason. Everyone says preseason doesn't count. Well, I'll tell you what, preseason counts for a lot of people. And at the end of the day, it's still football. And again, it's the only football we're going to get here in Montreal in June because yeah. let's not forget the like the the home opener isn't until July. I if know, you can believe July that, July Fourth, we got our opener, a bye, and then an o- and then another game on the road. So I mean, if you want your football fix, like live football fix, like. It's it's this Thursday. Yep. That's it. And, Otherwise, and you're if watching. Not, if not, it's going to be Friday night football tonight. Please don't ever do that again. <laughs> <laughs> That's the old theme, actually, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's the old one. <laughs> hey, I wonder if they're going to have the rec laws. Are, are the rec laws still going to be the uh, the voice of, of Thursday night football? Uh, as far as I know, they are. The if, how how else are we supposed to long live the night without the rec loss? I don't know. I mean, hello. I know, my guy. I just was thinking. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh. Um. Yeah. So looking forward to you. Looking forward to seeing a lot of you other guys too. And as I said, just remember, it's just the preseason. Go and have fun. I am so probably going to eat those words. <laughs> you suck. Um, but again, it is only preseason, and there's a lot more season to come. So, so Cliff, I look forward to seeing you, buddy. Uh, I know you. Uh, I, I'll see you near my seats, anyways. I know that for a fact, anyway. So that shouldn't yeah. be much of a problem. So, um, and if you, hey, any any suggestions, comments, concerns about the show, who you want to have, us to have on the show uh, as uh, interviews and stuff like that, let us know. Um, t- send us a. Send us a, a, a DM or a tweet on Twitter. That's Cliff at, uh, at Cliffy D. And for me, it's at Repact, R-E-P-P-A-C-T. So for everybody here at the Alouette's Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Run final approach. Take off to the great white north. Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Take off to the great white Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.